You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 304. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. And also, welcome back to me. I don't think I've taken a week off from the show before in the last six years, but I did now a much-needed catch-up time. Uh, I Actually, looking back, I've kept the show going in the past, even during incredibly tough family emergencies and, and illnesses and even surgery. Fortunately, the first delay came because I had a lot of good things going on and I needed some extra time and also a lot of time to think about uh, where to take the podcast. I have quite a few good ideas on, on, on where to take the podcast and all of the content that we've created over the years. Uh, you know, as you'll see in this episode, you know, because we have such a, a a large library of content going going into the past here on the local maximum uh, that improves our ability to comment on on current events, and as you'll see today. So so uh, let let's try to figure out how to how to make the best use of that. I'm going to have to talk to Aaron about that, and uh, hopefully a uh, a brand new format soon, maybe similar to the not, not like a total rehaul, but uh, hopefully there, there's a few few new things I want to add to this show. Uh, very exciting. All right. Now, there is uh, an obvious news story this week, and we need to cover it, of course. Uh, This is OpenAI's CEO, Sam Altman, was removed by the OpenAI board over the weekend. Uh, Why did this happen? Weren't things going really well at OpenAI with, with GPT? So there's been lots of discussion and speculation on that. So before we get into it, let's rewind a bit to understand this story. Uh, About a year ago, as most of you know, as you all know, uh, OpenAI took the world by storm by publicly releasing ChatGPT and later its uh, API to developers. This has been on our radar here on The Local Maximum for a long time, Uh, way back in episode 134, which was the summer of 2020. We covered OpenAI's launch of the, at the time, revolutionary GPT-3. Uh, nowadays, you kind of click back to GPT 3.5 on OpenAI, and you're like, ugh, this one again? But anyway, GPT 3, incredible back then, buoyed by the effectiveness of the transformer neural network architecture, which is research from Google, as well as OpenAI's long time horizon. Uh, you know, I think they've been at it for, for nearly a decade. Uh, and investments uh, from Microsoft uh, went into OpenAI, an investment from Elon Musk. So at the time, this was summer of 2020, uh, we had a lot more going on than just this in the summer of 2020, I'll tell you that. But this was kind of uh, one of those uh, uh, positive stories, maybe, under the radar uh, when all that crazy stuff was going down. Uh, At the time, the Wall Street Journal had a headline, I think captures the moment well, on GPT-3, which was AI breaks the writing barrier, which it did. It can now now write... uh, uh, well enough <laughs> to, to be to be well understood and not uh, you know and not not write you know crazy weird junk. I mean sometimes it does that too, but you know uh, you know what I mean. All right, in episode two twenty, let's read forward a little bit. We covered Elon Musk's potential takeover for Twitter at the time. It was potential. You know we we now know that he would later in fact take it over in that same year in twenty twenty two and and this year in twenty twenty three would rename it X. In that same episode, I mentioned that Musk also has a stake in OpenAI, and I read Andrew Gelman's post, uh, blog post grappling with the implications of GPT-3. 
three. Now, at some point, Aaron and I covered, we talked about Musk's falling out with OpenAI. I think that was episode 255. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, Musk did have a falling out uh, with OpenAI due to, kind of, I would say, differences in opinion on how AI should be developed. I remember Musk is a bit concerned over the potential downsides of this type of technology, and he's criticized OpenAI for being more like closed AI in that the models aren't open source. I mean, that's kind of the narrative that um, Musk kind of works around, which is like, hey, you know, we have Twitter now, we have X, we're going to open source the, uh, the, the algorithm. I'm not sure if they did that. Uh, he wanted to open source the algorithm for OpenAI. The management, um, you know, said that's, uh, that's not quite going to work for us. Um, and so there is this kind of tension between how AI should be developed. And there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, arguing back and forth that takes place. Uh, in the industry, obviously, uh, Musk being very concerned about what we call AI alignment in the future of AI, uh, he has a, a very big outsized voice in this for for obvious reasons. Um, so, um, so yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. So, episode two fifty five that was the big one uh, because that was the one where we where Aaron and I talked about the rise of ChatGPT and that incredible product launch that occurred uh, just a year ago. Uh, since then, I and, and many of my software colleagues have been using it for work, uh, increasing our productivity quite a bit. You know, the other day, the other day I had to, uh, you know, build a, an HTML page with, with JavaScript in it. And, you know, I've done this for, I probably did that first in 2005, so nearly 20 years I've been doing this type of thing. But it is a pain in the tuchus, I'll tell you that much. So I don't want to spend, you know, and also I'm not like... You know, outsiders ask, like, are you an expert in, in these technologies, HTML and JavaScript? Well, expert is kind of a, you know, if it's something that you have to do every few months, um, every time you come back to it, it is a slog. Yes, you know how it all works, but sometimes you got to sit down, you got to take a day and kind of figure out how all it's. it's just like, no, I know how HTML works on the broad level. I know how JavaScript works on the on broad level. I know how it all works on the broad, broad level. I know how to ask OpenAI and ChatGPT to, to write these pages for me instantly. It doesn't make the dumb mistakes that I make. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever it gets wrong, I could, I could easily fix, given my knowledge. I could, I could find the errors very quickly. And so that just – and this is the kind of work that I really, really hated doing uh, 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 back in the day. Uh, you know, which was kind of mucking around on the on the front end and, and the display, uh, and and we've totally automated that. So that's great. And what's also great is like I could just ask it to write some CSS to kind of style my pages right off the bat. So I don't even have to think about that. I don't have to do anything. CSS is notoriously like you know uh, annoying to use. I'll, I'll put it that way. So um, so. Yes, uh, we've been increasing our productivity quite a bit. Uh, I've even made use of the API. Uh, I've been using the OpenAI API for 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 several different reasons. Um, I, I have one kind of project now with the OpenAI API that I'm I'm pretty excited about, and I'm, I'm excited to share with uh, with all of you out there. Hopefully, in the coming months. So, with OpenAI doing so well in the marketplace, and OpenAI coming up with a once in a, a generation level product. Uh, uh, and one, by the way, that required true sophistication and perseverance. This is not like a luck play by any means. This is not, um, 
you know, this is not some company where it was kind of the obvious thing to do, and there were lots of uh, companies doing it, and the, the company who wins is, you know, executes well, but you kind of think, okay, like, you know, a, a lot of different groups could have done that. So uh, this is not luck. This, 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 this required a, a lot of vision, a lot of time horizon. So it might seem strange for the board to oust the CEO, Sam Altman. I, you know, I, I've... Uh, heard of Sam Altman for a long time. He was actually uh, one of our competitors at Foursquare when he had this app called Looped back in the day. I guess he, uh, he, I, I guess that didn't. Um, I think Foursquare did a bit better than Looped, but then he went to Y Combinator and and apparently uh, kind of uh, you know got into starting all these new companies and and OpenAI. Uh, you know, a great job there. But it's, 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 it's strange that they would ask that CEO. And it's even stranger that there's such a rebellion going on among the employees of the company to bring him back. Now, I, I've been through CEO turnovers. You hear about CEO turnovers all the time. You know, the famous one that, that has been compared as well, Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple. The Apple employees um, didn't, uh, didn't start rebelling. I mean, some were disappointed. Um, sometimes employees are disappointed. I'm happy. Honestly, I think the Apple employees were like, yeah, we kind of <laughs> yeah, get it. Uh, but, you know, I have never heard I've never heard of this. I've never heard of an organization, uh, uh, such an organized appeal to the board from the employees. Um, there have been a few times when I've been working at companies and I've thought of like, you know, messaging a board member. I've never actually done it. Uh, I wonder if that's, uh, that's something you should do or you should keep certain things to yourself. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting question. But anyway, why is this going on? So it's still playing out. We're still going to see what the, what the falling out is because a lot of people have quit. Uh, and so now what happens if uh, researchers quit, they go to other companies and, and bring the technology there, or are they all going to be brought back in some kind of deal? Let's look at, let's look at the latest from the Wall Street Journal to get, uh, to get some of the facts here. The Wall Street Journal reports in this article, OpenAI leadership hangs in the balance. Two days after Sam Altman was ousted from OpenAI, he was back in the company's office trying to negotiate his return. The former chief executive officer entered with a guest badge on Sunday and posted on X, first and last time I ever wear one of these, <laughs> unless they go back for a second negotiation, I guess. Uh, he continues, the leadership of the company that created the hit AI chatbot GPT remained unclear Sunday as, as investors and many employees pushed over the weekend to restore Altman. He has been engineering a counter coup to retake control of one of Silicon Valley's most valuable and high profile startups. Altman's camp has succeeded in bringing the board that fired him to the negotiating table and proposed a series of high profile tech executives to potentially helm a new board that would be more aligned to his business vision. Uh, we can skip ahead because we don't need to read the names of the executives. Uh, one of them here is Sheryl Sandberg, which, which is kind of interesting from back in, back in Facebook, uh, but you know that, that might not happen. It's all speculation. Um, Microsoft's executives have also pushed for oversight in a new corporate structure, including a potential board observer seat that would give it more visibility into the company's governance. Any greater role on the board could be a regulatory concern. Microsoft has kept its ownership stake in OpenAI below 50% in order to avoid raising the attention of regulators. Among all uh, uh, the investors, Microsoft 
might be the most deeply intertwined in the fate of OpenAI, and the startup's turmoil has been a liability. Beyond being OpenAI's largest backer, Microsoft has reoriented its business around the startup's AI software. Shares in Microsoft fell after the news of Altman's firing. Skipping again, two days after the board fired Altman, different explanations persisted for the initial firing. The board said Friday that it pushed out the CEO after it concluded he hadn't been candid with the company's directors. It didn't elaborate. People close to Altman said that the ouster had more to do with disputes around the safety of the company's artificial intelligence efforts and the power structure uh, struggle with one co-founder and board member, Ilya Sutskever. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Sutskever. Uh, on Sunday, a person familiar with the board stood by the board's statement, citing Altman's lack of candor. This person said there was no single precipitating incident, but rather a mounting loss of trust over communications with Altman that led it to remove him as CEO. The person declined to offer examples. Now, obviously, obviously the board is actually entitled to hide its reasons, but with, without this disclosure, yeah, yeah, a bunch of things, you know, it's hard, uh, it's difficult for us in the, in the public to evaluate them. With his firing from OpenAI, uh, Altman quickly got the upper hand in terms of public messaging. The board didn't use a communications or a law firm in its dealings, people familiar with the board said, expecting that the OpenAI team would help them. But Altman had loyalty from investors and employees. Uh, the board ended up isolated as social media became filled with shock and support for Altman. His largest backers, including Microsoft and Thrive Capital, immediately on Friday, began pressing for Altman's position to be restored. Uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella began working with Altman that evening on his next step, people familiar with Altman's stead. So this is really strange. This is interesting because we read before that Microsoft doesn't own a majority stake in, in AI, in open AI, but it owns quite a bit. And there are other groups involved as well, uh, you know, Thrive Capital. I'm guessing all of them together probably own a majority, but apparently it doesn't have much influence on, on the governing board. In fact, it doesn't have anyone on the governing board right now. So I, I the, the board of directors. So I don't believe that. Uh, yeah, the, they don't have any have any appointed board members. Uh, uh, this is an interesting bit of disagreement between the owners, the owners of the company, and the and the directors of the company. And we'll talk a little bit about what the structure is, what the what the corporate governance structure is. It would talk about constitutions and how to align institutions. There is a really Really weird constitution, uh, really weird corporate structure here that uh, that is causing this uh, this this kind of rift. So anyway, continuing in the in the Wall Street Journal article, uh, before Friday's dust up, the board consisted of six people, including Altman. Then it abruptly moved Greg Brockman, OpenAI's president and close friend of Altman's and voted to oust Altman. None of the four board members remaining were affiliated with the company's big investors. It isn't clear whether the vote was unanimous. However, guys, let's do the math, folks. Uh, if the board was six people, they wanted to oust Brockman. You needed at least four, probably, to, to oust Brockman. That's what I'm speculating, but, you know, standard majority. So, I'm assuming that Altman would not have approved of that, so it, it must have been those other four that, that voted to do that. And so 
I'm guessing that those four also voted to remove Altman, unless one of them flipped and it was really three to two. But it seems unlikely that someone would go along with the the, the first thing, removing the, the board member, the, the first board member, uh, without being a, against the second thing. Now, remember, Ilya uh, Sutskever, uh, chief scientist at OpenAI, is one of those board members. In fact, so is this a particular concern about Sam Altman? Is it a power structure struggle? over the future of AI? Is it a concern about the direction of AI development and, and its so-called alignment? Uh, that ranges uh, from, you know, what, what's alignment ranging from a worry about faulty AI business models to like a you know, full-on AI doomsday scenario. Now, we have some commentary on this uh, that I'm going to share. Uh, first bit of commentary that, that I want to share is from Toby Ord. He is the author of The Precipice and seems to be one of the people concerned about this you know, quote, AI alignment. He writes the following, most coverage of the firing of Sam Altman from OpenAI is treating it as a corporate board firing a high-performing CEO at the peak of their success. The reaction is shock and disbelief, but this misunderstands the nature of the board and their legal duties. Now, remember, uh, Elon Musk's kind of falling out with OpenAI and how the way it works now is different from the way it was set up, both the, the tech and the structure. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll get to the weeds now with Ord. So I, it's pretty clear that when Elon Musk was investing in it, it was probably more of a, um, it was probably more weighted toward the, the nonprofit sector. And now, it, now it's kind of unclear. <laughs> Let's hear more about this. OpenAI was founded as a nonprofit when it restructured to include a new for-profit arm. That arm was created to be at the service of the nonprofit's mission and controlled by the nonprofit board. This is very unusual, but the upshots are laid out clearly on OpenAI's website. So this is actually uh, quite fascinating. You know, where uh, OpenAI is a is is, is for profit with for profit investors like Microsoft, fully controlled by a nonprofit. And this is the board. The, the board of, uh, is the board of the nonprofit. Now, also on the board are, are you know, uh, employees and directors and, you know, because it has Altman and, and other people in it. But, uh, the, 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 but just talking about the, the board as a whole, um, the board is controlled by the nonprofit that doesn't necessarily serve the, inter uh, the interests of the for-profit investors, or, or at least it ensures that OpenAI is staying within some uh, defined bounds, perhaps ideological bounds, or, or you know some, some, something like that, defined by the nonprofit. By the way, it gets confusing because the nonprofit is OpenAI Inc., a 501c3 public charity. Uh, the profit is OpenAI LLC. Ah, see the difference. Uh, that kind of reminds me of you know certain companies creating like lots of shell companies. I don't think this is what they were trying to do here, uh, but um, still, it is it is quite. Um, it, it, even though, like, I'm sure you could draw it out and, and a, a regular person can understand it, it still makes things quite opaque. There's um, it, it 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 mucks with the. Um, it mucks with the shelling point. It mucks with the with the with the proper purpose of these organizations, and it, it kind of makes it. I, I think this kind of setup would make it way more difficult to to govern, as 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 we're seeing. So now the the investors who who invest in um in, invest in in OpenAI, they they know this going in. I suppose they they know that uh, OpenAI's board is controlled by this nonprofit. 
they might not have another option. I mean, Microsoft might think, well, OpenAI, you know, is our ticket here. Uh, so <laughs> what else are they going to do? Um, uh, still, I, I wonder if the team there that is concerned about AI alignment uh, thought through the, the misalignment of their interests that the corporate governance structure might lead to. They're so worried about aligning AI, they can't even align their own corporation, uh, in other words. Uh, is that a problem? I don't. What, what do you think? All right, back to Toby. He writes, most of the hard power of a board comes from the ability to fire the CEO. The CEO has executive control of the organization and the board doesn't, but the board has the power to fire a CEO and find a replacement. Knowing this, a CEO will usually comply with pertinent board requests and not hide mission critical information from them. Very few people know for sure what happened in this case, but my best guess is that when the board members said, he was not consistently candid in his communications with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. Uh, they meant that he repeatedly withheld information that infer interfered with their legal obligations to ensure safe development of AGI, artificial general intelligence, or super intelligence, or on the, on the road to super intelligence, I suppose. If so, they, have may they may have faced a legal and perhaps moral obligation to replace him as CEO. But why would they have done it so abruptly with no notice to Altman or to their main investor, Microsoft? My best guess is that they knew that despite having no board seat, Microsoft would apply great pressure to save him by threatening to withhold their crucial cloud compute. If so, an attempt at a more orderly exit would be blocked and the board would fail in their responsibility. So this is, so what is the board's responsibility? So it, it's, it's very strange. You have a for-profit for company with the board, with the board's responsibility, not in the hands of the, uh, in, in the hands of the investors. So, uh, so that, that's pretty crazy. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, if this is correct, why they would do it so abruptly. I mean, that's, you know, that's a clear power play. I mean, it, it also sounds like the board is not candid in its communications because it's trying to kind of sneak around their their investors um, and in perhaps acting against their investors' uh, best interests, uh, which, you know, happens from time to time. Uh, so he also writes, as it happens, Microsoft appears to have uh, been even more set on rescuing Sam than the board might have guessed, being willing to force him back into OpenAI even after being expelled. And even if doing so would imply that the nonprofit, which is ostensibly governing OpenAI, has actually been powerless for some time with true control being in Microsoft's hands. Uh, Toby is clear that this is all speculation, of course. In fact, there's a lot of speculation that uh, some of it is kind of fun to think about, that uh, they, uh, OpenAI, uh, and the research team has found general intelligence and someone is hiding something big. Maybe GPT-5 was created and uh, is taking over the helm from here. No longer need a, a CEO. We now have a, 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 a robo-CEO. Or more likely, there's just some engineer hand-wringing over what we've created, a la Oppenheimer, which is interesting because I think this type of soul-searching needs to happen at social media and ad companies that don't seem to give a crap about where their tech leads to, even though OpenAI has some of the answers 
uh, 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 to, to, to these problems. They are showing far more freak outery than it is probably warranted uh, at this time. As we've covered in episode 213 in February of 2022, Ilya Sutskever, who was one of the uh, board members who almost certainly supported this move to remove Altman, probably engineered it, wrote that he thought that their computations were at least a little bit conscious, very, very controversial. In fact, this weekend, Elon Musk tweeted, I am very worried. Ilya has a good moral compass and does not seek power. But let me do that in Musk's voice. I am, I can't do it in his accent, but I'll, I'll do it in his, in his intonation. I am very worried. Ilya has a good moral compass and does not seek power. He would not take such drastic action unless he felt it was absolutely necessary. Uh, so that's what, that's what Elon Musk says uh, in episode 230, summer of 2022. We looked at how a, a Google engineer was put on leave for claiming that their chatbots were conscious. And of course, we've covered all the drama at Google around AI ethics and how it seems to be made up of ideological activists. So all these people, I'm, I don't mean to put them all in, in the same bucket here, but the reaction of engineers and employees and, and, and leaders to this technology has really run the gamut, and um, there's a lot of different diversity there. Um, so I should also pro uh, provide this quote. Uh, so, so well, let's try to think about like what the, what the point of that really is. And I, I think what the point of that is is just like, you know, because there are so much so many perspectives on this technology, uh, that that's another source of um, that's another source of disagreement. That's another source of conflict uh, that could come up. So I am going to uh, now provide this quote by Perry Metzger, who provides some anecdotal evidence of irrational fears overtaking those in the industry. He writes, "AI is one of the most wonderful things in human history. It is amazing to me how many people have convinced themselves that it's a dangerous tragedy." He also tells us that humans have an extremely strong capacity to talk ourselves into apocalyptic nonsense. Perry quotes an article from The Atlantic on Twitter that seems to paint Ilya in a certain light. I'll read it. It says, uh, in anticipating the arrival of this all-powerful technology, Sutskever began to behave like a spiritual leader. Three employees who worked with him told us his constant enthusiastic refrain was feel the AGI, a reference to the idea that the company was on the cusp of its ultimate goal. At OpenAI's 2022 holiday party, Sutskever led employees in a chant, feel the AGI, feel the AGI, feel the AGI. Okay, okay, let's not speculate this far with OpenAI. I think it seems just as likely, probably more likely that there was a a difference in communication style and expectation between the board and, and the CEO. It's not uncommon for that to happen, but we'll find out more as this story progresses. Uh, and the antics described above by Ilya, uh, well, <laughs> they look strange. It, it's, it kind of is what it looks like. It's kind of not, uh, but pretty standard behavior in the industry. I mean, just look at uh, Steve Ballmer. Uh, you know, from from a couple decades ago, going developers, developers, developers. So yeah, it looks cultish, but um, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so eh, it's um, it, it's unclear uh, which ideas are are leading this move. Um, but uh, but as you can see, and hopefully what as you've learned from today, there are a lot of moving pieces um, which make uh, the the story of this developing industry. 
unlike anything else we've ever seen. There's like not a very good. Um, there's not a very good um, uh, uh, analogy to another industry where uh, the um, opinions of the engineers uh, working on the technology in terms of its, its, its proper use diverge so wildly uh, to the point where they're, well, I mean, Hmm. Now that I put it that way, I you know I I, I do look back at Oppenheimer where, but the, the the issue there was you know they were developing this technology. They had some disagreements on 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 strategy, and then of course uh, you know misgivings about the politics. But not in terms of like oh if we invent this science, you know w- where does this lead to? What's the purpose? And, and, and everybody kind of. Um, going all ideological uh, on it. I, I, I really think this is kind of unprecedented. Uh, I don't know. Do you agree? Uh, let me know. Localmaxradio@gmail.com or maximum.locals.com. Uh, um, as for us here on the Local Maximum, I hope to have Aaron back on soon to talk about uh, this topic uh, and, and more. I have some uh, great guests coming up, including a fantastic, uh, fascinating discussion that I, I, I did recently with a, a doctor slash author on the fragmented state of data in the medical industry. But I, I think, you know, if, if the talk is just that, it's like it's important. But I, I think the real draw of that discussion was the real practical advice and the real stories about uh, patients and, and being a patient. So I, I, I got a lot out of that. So I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. Um, I look forward to covering this story as it kind of plays out. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. It'll feel the power.